Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content that may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Before we get to the show, we want to shout out our sponsor, Studio Sweden. Studio is a Scandinavian headphone and earbud company that wants your headphones to not just be a high-tech device, but also a high-fashion accessory. These babies look really cool. They have uh, interchangeable caps, so when you want to change it up uh, and have a different style, you can totally do that. Uh, the quality is excellent. It is on par with the highest-rated headphones on the market. Using Bluetooth, which is what we've deemed as sorcery, they can connect to any device, but still have an optional aux cord if you are as terrified of said magic as we are. Yep, we definitely use the aux cord. (laughs) (laughs) They charge super duper quickly and have a 24-hour active battery life, and that is not an exaggeration. They are awesome. Mm -hmm. And we are using the Regent on-ear model, which is geared toward clarity and balanced sound, so it's perfect for recording and podcast editing. I have to say my editing and recording experience has been so much clearer and easier since switching to studio, not to mention how rad I look wearing these bad boys. These headphones are sold at studio. Studiosweden.com. And our promo code GALS, G-A-L-S, is live now, and that will get you 15% off. Uh, and they also offer free worldwide shipping, which is dope. Yeah, that's amazing. Awesome. So go to their website and get a pair of the best headphones or earbuds that you will ever own at studiosweden.com. Now on to the show. Oh my god. Okay. You are listening to Wine and Crime, the podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents. (laughs) And giggle inappropriately the whole time. And giggle too much, and people are probably annoyed by it. We're sorry, not sorry. Um, I'm Kenyon. I'm Lucy. <laughs> I'm, I'm crying. <laughs> that, that whimpering mess is Amanda. <laughs> what they said wasn't even that funny, you guys. <laughs> it's just such a weird time of the day. <laughs> I'm just going oh. through a lot right now. I'm just going through a lot right now, and everything is funnier than it should be. And Mercury's in retrograde. <laughs> it's not. I checked. <laughs> so much was going wrong last week that I literally said to my talk space therapist, I was like, what the fuck is going on? Mercury must be in retrograde or something. And she sent me back a screenshot that just says, nope, Mercury is not in retrograde. Something else must be bothering you. <laughs> I like how she had that prepared. She Googled it immediately for me. I was like, oh my God, I fucking love you. Also talk space. But anyway, we'll get to that. We'll save that ad for later. (laughs) That's a freebie talk space. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. Um, This week, we will be discussing a pretty serious topic. Not that murder isn't always slightly serious, but... Mm -hmm. um, yeah, this week we are discussing hate crimes. So mm-hmm. mm. buckle up mm. for another angry rant fest. I was that just going to say, <laughs> this is an Allen fueled episode <laughs> for sure. My Lyft driver last night, 
the was named Alan. It's like a it signed me to a car and it said his name was Alan and I was like real tempted to cancel and <laughs> cancel. wait ten minutes and try again. <laughs> oh. But turns out he was super nice. He was from Minnesota. He knows my dad. Hey, oh, hashtag not all men. Am I right? <laughs> not all right, Alans. Exactly. <laughs> not all Alans. <laughs> oh, my God. But Alan, in a really listening, clean car. Super fuck you. <laughs> yeah, super um, fuck you. Yeah, knowing that this episode was going to be pretty dark and pretty sad, I thought I would get pretty much the only semblance of comedy we could out of the wine pairing. Nice. So Take it away. Here we go. We are drinking Folly of the Beast Pinot Noir from Wink Wine Club. If you are just joining us today, Wink Wine Club is one of our amazing sponsors. They provide almost all of the wine right now that we're featuring. Um, They operate completely online. They have vineyards all over the world, a lot of which are from California, which is great because we've been trying to buy a lot of California wines recently to help with um, basically the, like, destroyed economy of California with all the wine wildfires and yeah a lot of uh, a lot of California vineyards have been hit really really hard by those wildfires and we're just doing our part okay yeah by ca- buying California wine um, <laughs> but these winemakers are incredible it's almost all like beautifully handcrafted small batch the labels are gorgeous they work with artists from all over the world to design the labels there's a huge huge inventory of varietals that you can choose from I'm we're still scrolling through it and and picking things out that we've never used before. Um, we have not yet come up dry for an episode mm-hmm. topic pairing. Um, and they change pretty frequently, they too. They do. Yeah. And you can kind of, you can sign up, you can take a little, like, taste preference quiz, and they can make some recommendations for you every month, or you can simply peruse their inventory and fill your cart with whatever you want. Once you get four or more wines in the basket, they take care of shipping. You can have it sent to your home, or if you're like me, to your local Walgreens, because you do have to have an ID <laughs> to sign for it. Um but yeah, it's seriously the best, and we just encourage everyone to be like us and leave your house only when absolutely necessary, mm-hmm. so this helps mm-hmm. perpetuate that for Only in you. emergencies, <laughs> and still yep. wearing leggings as pants. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've, yep. been, I've been wearing the same leggings for three days. Anyway, yep. so yep. we are also offering a little discount code, so if you go to trywink, that's T-R-Y-W-I-N-C dot com, forward slash gals, you get 20 bucks off your first order. It's totally risk-free. You can cancel it at any time. I don't recommend doing that because it's awesome. Mm-hmm. But go try it out and drink along with us, which is fun. Yeah. And we also, so, we <clears throat> announced the wines, like the upcoming uh, four mm-hmm. Wink wines that we're going to be pairing our episodes with. We announced that on our blog, uh, wineandcrimepodcast.com. We cool. also announced it on social media. So you can totally drink along with the show, which is really fun. Yep. Get a wine and crime curated box. Mm-hmm. So this label has a whale tail on it, and that was basically <laughs> a hate crime of the early aughts fashion. <laughs> so we're just gonna roll with it. That is where this pairing came from. And I, <laughs> and I feel like racism and racial hate—that's a folly. Mm-hmm. It is a folly. Totally made oh, up yeah. nonsense bullshit. And humans mm-hmm. are beasts. Yeah. Yep. So guess what, guys? It totally fits. Don't yep. even question it. Totes. Um, <laughs> do not question do not her decision. Not ever. a stretch. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> it's still better than tons for the Black Friday episode. <laughs> tons was like, the best tons one ever. Tons of people trampling you. 
<laughs> that will go down in history as one of the worst best wine pairings I've ever done. Um, we have covered the basics of Pinot Noir before. This is a lighter red and a great option if you're in charge of bringing wine to your family's house for the holidays because it's sophisticated but still light and drinkable so grandma's not going to fall off her rocker with some crazy Grenache from, you know, the Spaniards that she doesn't trust because she's always been a little bit racist. Everybody has that grandma. Yep. Um, yep. Pinot Noir is usually just generally a crowd pleaser, just a really nice, delicate, but intricate wine. A um, little fun fact, after, My- is it Mile or Meal Raymond, the character from Sideways? I think it's Meal, right? I think it's Meal. So, I don't remember. I don't know. That paunchy guy, yeah? Yeah. So he was the character in that famous wine film, Sideways. He talked about how much he loved Pinot Noir and the sales of wines using the Pinot Noir grape varietal increased by 16% worldwide. Oh, my God. Which is a remarkable figure, yes, from one from that one movie. Wow. Which is a phenomenal movie Mm -hmm. if you haven't seen it. It is really good. It's so funny. Um, But it just cracked me up that shows just how important, like, exposure and kind words are in the wine industry and how much we respond to media Mm-hmm. Like, isn't mm-hmm. that just the weirdest social, like, worldwide social experiment? This hit movie mm-hmm. talks about Pinot Noir, and then worldwide purchase of Pinot Noir goes up 16% within, like, months of the film's release. I think it's pretty That's remarkable so cool. that since the wine and crime juggernaut came to uh-huh. be, worldwide <laughs> sales of Chardonnay have plummeted. Plummeted, and Grenache has skyrocketed. Low. Yeah. <laughs> Down with Chardonnay. Down with Chardonnay. Anyway, unless it's from California. Unless from California, then wink buy it. Wine club. I actually <laughs> did get a wink Chardonnay for Thanksgiving this past week, and it was amazing. It was unoaked, and it had a French name, so I can't remember what it was. But it was really, really good. They're like even kind of turning my mind around on some Chardonnays. I think what? I just have to find the ones that I like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You never I agree. know. But anyway, that's it. Folly of the Beast. I'm not gonna like. Ruin your day with more and more and more monotonous information about Pinot Noir. Just going to talk about Sideways, and now we're done with the wine segment, and we can move on to Kenyon's, or sorry, Lucy's. You're the same person. Um, we actually need to open the wine. You gotta open the wine. Oh yeah, we gotta open it. Oh my god, it's I'm so tired, you guys. Okay, are we ready to pack this mafaga? Ready? It's really. Lucy's doing the popping this week, so we'll see. We're not can't, even gonna try to can't fail as much try. as Kenyon did last week, so mm-hmm. the bar is low. Mine was I'm bad. using our new nice pop <gasps> corkscrew, which oh. is available Yay. at White and Crime mm-hmm. as well as the holiday drink gift set, which is yeah. freaking gorgeous, <laughs> by the way, and a goddamn steal at fifty dollars a box. <laughs> And it comes with colorful tissue, so once it arrives, just take out that packing slip so they don't know how much you paid for it, mm-hmm. and it's ready to wrap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. We got ready? you. We're ready. Still, uh, still ready. Uh, ooh. Ooh. Yeah. That was a really nice pop. Yeah, nice pop. All right. Proud of you. Kind of covered by my grunting. Sorry about that. <laughs> nah, I <laughs> grunt through it every time. It's like giving birth. You have to make the sounds to soothe you. <laughs> the moans. The moans. The moans. <laughs> oh, God. She's pregnant. <laughs> well, it's like weightlifting, right? Uh-huh. You're, you have to just 
Yeah. Heave. Hate <gasps> You're inhaling and exhaling. The You're gym that I go to, to literally, literally will not allow you to make those sounds, and they have like a grunt alarm on the wall, and if they catch you doing it, a, a red strobe light and Planet alarm Fitness? goes off. Yeah, it's Planet Fitness. <laughs> I love it. It's so great. Oh my as god! As much as I can love uh, exercising. Well, yeah. <laughs> Which is zero, zero Gross. amount. No thanks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just signed up for the massage chairs. I work out for like 10 minutes and then I take like a five hour massage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm exercising. I'm bent. Mm-hmm. Anyway, go ahead, La. Take it away. All right. I'm drinking before noon. And Get it. I'm not sorry. Okay, so in doing my research for hate crimes, I got real pissed off. Oh, uh, same <laughs> Yeah. It's oh, you guys. Not fun. No. Uh, yeah. Uh, the hate crime laws in this country are Terrible. fucked up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So according to the FBI, it's a hate crime if there is a, quote, added element of bias involved. So if the vic- victim is targeted because of his or her identifying characteristics and are often more violent than crimes not motivated by bias. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Buckle up. So keep in mind, this is FBI, so this is federal. Mm-hmm. The FBI and the Department of Justice published an annual report of hate crimes through the Hate Crime Statistics Act, Mm -hmm. which was signed into law in 1990. And it reads that this is an act to provide for the acquisition and publication of data about crimes that manifest prejudice based on certain group characteristics. So that was the overall aim of this act. The first anti-hate crime legislation before, well, the first handy hate crime legislation was the Civil Rights Act of 1968. Mm-hmm. That's just a little FYI. So this uh, statistics act, to collect the data for these annual reports, the FBI relies on voluntary reporting from jurisdictions. Oh, that's mm. not good. This seems super unreliable. Yeah. yeah. And experts say that hate crimes are underreported in mm-hmm. general. Oh, yeah. No shit. Yeah. Uh-oh. So this this quote is not enough evidence and wait, uh yeah, not enough evidence and probably not enough time or motivation on the part of local authorities to prove it. I mean, yeah. quote unquote, not enough evidence. Or if they're I mean, in cahoots somehow or just also have their own biases and prejudices. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh no. Okay. So, yeah, my next line is, could also be biased within the reporting jurisdiction itself. Hmm. It's real fucked up. Um, For example, Portland, Oregon didn't report at all in 2015. Portland, Oregon. And Oregon actually had a huge KKK movement, like, I don't know, however many years ago. 60 years ago? I didn't know that. Yeah, Oregon. This was in 2000. Okay, so some states don't report at all. They don't send anything in. And some states send in really suspiciously low numbers. Like the entire state of Mississippi reported a 0.8% of jurists. Wait, hold on. Sorry. The entire state of Mississippi reported zero hate crimes. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Uh, sure. Sorry. 80... 80% of all jurisdictions around the country report zero hate crimes. Oh, that's which is ridiculous. There's that's no way insane. that's accurate. No. Right. 
The Southern Poverty Law Center administered its own survey in 2012, and the numbers showed that individuals were reporting 50 times more hate crimes than the FBI had reported. Wow. wow. And and this is just self-reporting from citizens that they sent out this survey. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Christ. according to a CNN article... Hate crimes occur during a period of heightened rhetoric like a presidential election, oh. said the human rights campaign's Stacy something or other. Fucking weird. Yeah. Whenever a vulnerable group is given national attention, whether the attention is positive or negative, people who are biased against that group may lash out, he explained. Mm. Um, Obama 08. Yeah. So yeah. true. And oh, all the God. Matthew Shepard... <clears throat> all the anti-Semitism, what? all the anti-Semitic attacks, uh, and anti-immigrant attacks, uh, post-Trump. I mean... Oh, yeah. We'll get to Trump. Okay. Oh, we no. We will get no! to Trump. <laughs> God, no! I, sometimes I forget, because I'm white and privileged, I forget for, like, three blissful seconds that Trump is our president. Yeah. And, and it's then, always jarring. Yeah. It's remember. so jarring every time, and I and I recognize how privileged I am to even have those moments, mm-hmm. but it's like very painful when reality hits again, and I'm like, oh fuck! Oh goddamn! I was talking to my sister a couple weeks ago about the day after the election last year, mm-hmm. and just recalling the memories of how I felt that next day and how it felt to be at work, and like. I went to the bathroom a couple times and there were women like crying in the bathroom. Like, Mm. it was just a general, it was awful. I started crying just thinking about this a year later. Yeah. Like, I had to go compose myself. It was, I can never forget those emotions. It was off. And I know that a lot of people who listen don't agree with that, Mm -hmm. but that's my experience and that's the experience of a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So, that's how we feel. And it's our show. Moving on. Yeah. So the Matthew Shepard case, the Matthew Shepard case in 1998 drove activists to lobby Congress for legislation that would protect LGBTQIA mm-hmm. victims and label bias-motivated crimes against them as hate crimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So not until 2009, Obama signed the Matthew Shepard and James Beard Jr. Hate Crimes Prevention Act, which was the first time that violence triggered by gender, sexual identity, sexual orientation, or disability were considered a hate crime. Yep. So that wasn't until 2009. I did not, not realize even 10 that. years I ago. It was like the 90s. No, no, it was like a huge deal. I remember when Obama signed that into into law, basically. Wow. And I think that folk <clears throat> like uh, activists in the wake of the Matthew Shepard tragedy have been pounding the pavement in um, Washington, D.C. for years trying mm-hmm. to change legislation. For years. 11, 11 years yeah. since Matthew Shepard. Yeah. And so it was such a huge deal when Obama finally signed that act because it wanna, had been widely ignored by so many politicians up until that point, basically. Do you want to just explain yeah. who Matthew Shepard was? Because I feel like maybe some of our international listeners might not be as familiar with that case as most American yeah. listeners would be. Right. So there was a young man, I think in Montana or Wyoming. It was Montana, I'm pretty sure. I'll look it up because okay. now he, I want to make he, sure I'm getting that right. He was out at a bar. University with some of friends. Wyoming, Laramie, Laramie, Wyoming. Mm. Yeah, Laramie. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, he was out at a bar one night, and like the these guys started talking to him, and uh, I think they confessed later that they were pretending to be gay to lure him mm-hmm. away because Matthew they Shepard ended up, was gay, and he mm-hmm. was he out, was gay, right? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like small town, you know. Mm-hmm. Although I don't think Laramie is that small of a town. Well, but whatever. It's just they rural. Were, it's a rural area. It's rural, yeah. Uh, they ended up beating him and dragging him behind their pickup truck and tying him to a fence post, and he died there. He they did beat not, him to tragic. death. He didn't die on the fence post. I'm looking at a Wikipedia about him. Did he die when they were pulling him behind the He was the left truck? to die near the campus on October 7th, 1998. He was found and taken to P- Padre Padre Valley Hospital in Fort Collins, Colorado, where he died six days later from severe head injuries. I think he was in a coma when he was found. Oh. Um, so, and there he was, was something about tying him to yeah. the fence, though. He was he so young. Was, he was like see. 19. Yeah, he was born in 1976, and he died in 1998. Okay, well, I can't do math. He was 21. Yeah, so he was in. Yeah, he was in a bar. He was like 21 or 22. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and basically the the court or the the prosecution. Sorry, no, the defense was trying to make a case that Shepard had made like sexual advances toward them, and they freaked out. And oh, because that excuses murder. Yeah, like gay panic. And it's interesting because the prosecution basically used that same exact, you know, line mm-hmm. of reasoning to be like, that's why this is so fucked up. Just because mm-hmm. you're afraid, just because you're afraid of black people doesn't mean you can just shoot them yeah. when they reach for their wallet, when you ask for their ID. Yeah. Just because you're afraid of gay people doesn't mean you can just drag them behind a truck yeah. because mm-hmm. you have some delusional idea that maybe they were hitting on you because they, like, said hello at a bar. That's why it's literally legit horrible. defense. Homophobia. In court. It's your own fucking yeah. phobia. It's your own fucking fault. Deal with yeah, it. and homophobia mm-hmm. is not a defense for murder. But anyway. Um, <laughs> so that's honest- Matthew Shepard. On the same note, the FBI has a chart that uh, lists, that shows um, different types of anti-gay hate crimes, but they have different lines for anti-gay, anti-lesbian, anti-homosexual, and anti-heterosexual, and anti-bisexual. Oh, my God. And I would like to discuss for a moment... I don't mean to sound like a moron or some an insensitive person, but why would they have separate lines for anti-gay, anti-homosexual, anti-lesbian? Uh-huh. Like, does this make sense to you? I mean, I it's always, when you're going through data, it's always good to have those breakdowns available in case you want to do some sort of more detailed analysis in the future because mm-hmm. it's not inconceivable to think that, like, crimes against gay men are maybe much higher than crimes against lesbians because of how the popularity of, like, faux lesbian porn or something. Right. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, there's been an influx of data about... Uh, crimes toward like transgender women of color yes. you know so mm-hmm. from a, like a government g- gubernatorial 
statistical analysis standpoint. <laughs> yes. I do I do understand. I do understand that breakdown. And I suppose But then but then you could all but then I feel like it would be fair to combine those into one larger category that is LGBTQIA hate crimes and Well and right and I feel like having all of all of those different distinctions can also create a very murky gray area for defense lawyers to exploit, you know, where basically these crimes fall on that, like, hate crime spectrum yes. that's mapped out by the government and could be mm-hmm. used in a negative way, even if originally it was meant for, you know, accurate data analysis. All of that shit gets manipulated in the court. Like, that's just how Absolutely. our legal system fucking works. Instead of saying the rate of LGBTQIA hate crimes is, I'm mm-hmm. making, I'm totally making this up, but, like, 35%, they mm-hmm. can say, oh, well, anti-gay hate crimes are only 7%, mm-hmm. you know. Right. And it's not showing the true picture. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the case with a lot of charts and graphs. Mm -hmm. They're easily manipulated. And when they're broken up to this extent, it's really easy to see visually some patterns that aren't actually there. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you have to. Data analysis and like statistics and whatever is so important to do Mm -hmm. responsibly and to use common sense because you can find correlations in data that actually have no basis in fact, right? And then you can also miss really important things if you're operating under certain assumptions that you don't even realize you're operating under when you're Guys, Fox News does it all the time. Yeah. (laughs) Fake news. Fox News has conclusively connected (laughs) murder rates to sale of ice cream, so ice cream (laughs) equals homicide. It's true. Conclusive. Facts and friends. Yep. Everybody that eats bread will one day eventually die. So I mean that's don't true. Don't ever Watch eat out. bread. Yep. Bread is the I'm number one killer <laughs> of people in America. <laughs> All right. Okay. LGBTQIA folks are more likely to be victims of a hate crime than any other minority group. They mm. are twice as likely as African Americans. That was just a stat. Of course, obviously, I think a lot of times, there can be crossover between those oh, two sure. identities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. But I didn't take the numbers from that particular graph right. for my notes. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of times, just because of our history in the United States, we correlate immediately hate crimes with crimes against African-Americans. So I think that was why that specific stat was pulled out. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, the Hate Crimes Prevention Act only protects LGBT victims from violent crimes where the federal government has jurisdiction. And since most of these tri- crimes are tried on a state level, it might not work out for them. So going back to what I said about that FBI recognition, mm-hmm. That does not necessarily apply on the state level. No, I I talk about that a little bit in my case, too. Currently, only 17 states have laws that protect victims based on sexual orientation and gender identity. Yep. 13 states have laws that only cover sexual orientation. Mm -hmm. 15 states have laws that don't cover either. And five states, which are South Carolina, Georgia... Indiana, Arkansas, and Wyoming have no hate crime laws in place at all. Which Wyoming oh is insane God. to me, considering yeah, Matthew Shepard. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, 
It's fucking crazy, you guys. It's just, it's so oh. fucking sad. I know. Yes. I know. We have a long way to go. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anti-Islamic crimes ha- ri- ha- rose drastically <laughs> after 9-11. Yep. Go mm-hmm. fucking figure. In 2000, 28 incidents were reported. In 2001, 481 incidents were oh reported. Oh, my God. It Jesus spiked again Christ. in 2015 mm-hmm. at 257, and this has been pointed to by the Southern Poverty Law Center as related to the attacks in Paris and also Trump's campaign. Yeah. Shocker. Yeah. Uh, pre-9-11, the FBI says hate crimes motivated, motivated by ethnicity were around 10%, and post-9-11, that rose to 20%. Good That's God. huge. That's oh my God. enormous. <sighs> yeah. As far as hate crimes against black people and minorities, experts say that it's around half of all hate crimes. Mm-hmm. Of these crimes, the majority are directed at black people, which we kind of just talked about. Mm-hmm. In 2015, there were 1,745 anti-black hate crimes reported, far outnumbering the 613 anti-white incidents and 299 anti-Hispanic or Latino incidents. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, it's still really bad. Yeah. And Asians this is are about just an- skating on by. I'm yeah, Asians are like, I'm just going <laughs> to hang out over here. Please don't look at me. <laughs> I am out of the way. Blending in. I'm blending in. I have <laughs> no part of this. <laughs> totally kidding. Totally kidding. <laughs> Go us. Don't bitch at us um, in our mentions. We're joking. <laughs> these numbers are about an 8% increase from 2014. Before 2015, these crimes had been steadily decreasing, decreasing since 2008. Gee, what happened in 2008? What a weird <laughs> coincidence that Obama was elected in that year. In, two, in 2008, the number was 2,876 hate crimes against black people, or about 37% of the total hate crimes from that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Black Lives Matter, Eric Garner, Trayvon Martin, Michael Brown, the nine people in Charleston, this was all since about 2013. Mm-hmm. So things have been hitting the fan. It's been on the rise since 2013. Mm-hmm. Okay. And obviously, this should go without saying, there has been just generally a major surge in hate crimes when Trump was elected yeah. and major since then. Major yeah. Yep. Fucking dur. Yep. All those phone calls to synagogues. Like oh, my all those God. Phone calls. Fucking Ugh. everything. Graffiti in school. Oh, my God. The other day yeah. at my job, um, we have a merch, like a, like a retail store, and a, like some shitty fucking 50 year old white guy came in and was looking at like a bottle opener and asked the girl behind the counter how much it was. And she's like, oh, it's, it's $5. And he goes, five American dollars and she was genuinely confused she was like yeah are you are you from Canada like are you visiting yeah. from out of town <laughs> where are you from and he goes oh I'm from here where are you from and she's not white what she's not white yeah so she responded in the best fucking way and I really hope she's listening because it's my favorite she goes well actually I'm Native American so I'm like from here from here and just <laughs> shut him down and he like silently reached into his pocket and paid the five dollars for the bottle opener and left in shame oh, oh my what god what a fucking asshole yeah, and his he, name he was he literally Alan. said oh I'm from here where are you from because she's not like she's clearly not white Oh my people god. Fu- people are fucking crazy. I would never in a million years 
I, I don't know. It always cracks me up. It reminds me of Aziz Ansari on Parks and Recreation, where people are always asking him where he's from, and he's like, I'm from North Carolina. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, well, why, why are you asking me this fucking question? Yeah. Oh, right, I'm brown. Cool. <laughs> where are you from? St. Louis? Okay, cool. Yeah, like, congratulations. That's wonderful. Yeah. I've been binging Master of None on Netflix. Oh, so good. <laughs> it's so it's good. So and they cover good. some of some of the episodes cover like race topics and it's really, really All good. the episodes with his parents in them are amazing and those are his actual Real parents. They're like, actual terrible parents. actors. I, know. I it's love it. So fucking funny. And that I man love is it. a genius. His, yep. his dad. <laughs> He's like a surgeon and he keeps everything that he pulls out of people's bodies mm-hmm. like on a shelf in his office. Which is totally what I would do. But anyway, if you are feeling like you want to commit a hate crime or you are recovering from trauma due to a hate crime or anything else in your life, you might want to consider Talkspace. Talkspace. Kenyon, what is Talkspace? Talkspace is an online (laughs) therapy company that makes it easy, affordable, and convenient to connect you with a licensed, qualified, empathetic, funny, charming, Mm -hmm. adorable, Mm -hmm. accessible, accessible (laughs) uh, therapist with a master's degree or more. Uh, and lots of tons of training experience. I don't remember how many hours, but a whole bunch of fucking hours of experience. A whole bunch of hours. These people are amazing. <laughs> Lucy, talk to us a little bit about your experience so far. Yeah. Since I have kind of bogarted this conversation every week with my talk <laughs> oh my space <laughs> love. Well, uh, I signed up a couple weeks ago after my employment abruptly ended. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Congrats, by the way. I wasn't fired for the record. Mm-mm. It was a layoff. Mm-hmm. It's bullshit. Whatever. Fuck I'm everything. not supposed to talk about it. <laughs> I was feeling it. a little down. Mm-hmm. Signed up for Talkspace the very next morning. And honestly, it helps so much to have the clarity of another person's perspective when you're feeling mm-hmm. down, really down like that. Yeah. And she has been... Totally accessible. I can send her a message whenever she responds, not immediately, you know, but very thoughtfully, very thoroughly, and within like 24 hours. Yep. And it's just, I can't tell you how much it's helped. And I, it's been like a point of pride. I've never had a therapist before. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like on my phone and someone will be like, oh, who are you texting? I'm like, I'm talking to my therapist. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. I I'm love talking it. to my therapist. <laughs> I love it. It's so great. I send her a message like when I wake up in the morning, like mm-hmm. I'm going to do this and this today or before I go to bed, like I've had a really good day or I got this done or I'm upset about this. I'm mm-hmm. feeling this way. Like. Maybe, you know, talking about my family history Mm -hmm. and she's giving me feedback and it's things that I've never thought about before. Just this extra perspective has given me more than I expected to Mm -hmm. get from it. I fucking love it. I love it. It's amazing. And prioritizing your mental health is the best thing you can do for yourself. We're talking Mm -hmm. about the holiday season and and treat yourself and all that stuff. But the, the best treat you can give yourself is prioritizing your mental health Mm -hmm. Um, and Talkspace is a really great easy affordable convenient way to do that and if you use the promo code gals uh, so Talkspace.com forward slash gals you get $30 off your first month and you show support for the show and they keep buying ads from us and that really helps our mental health Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and I also (laughs) 
I can announce this now because this episode will be airing after everybody knows. Thanks to you guys and this amazing podcast, I have been able to quit my job and go back to school starting January 8th. Yay! And Tell them what you're going to school for. Tell them what you're going uh, to school for. I am going to school to become a <laughs> licensed out. therapist. Thank Yay! you, Talkspace. I'm very, very, very excited. So maybe mm-hmm. someday in like seven years, Amanda could be your Talkspace therapist, just saying. Yeah, seriously, yes. it's it's happening. So yeah, I mean, join Talkspace now, and within a handful of years, I could be connected with you in your area. <laughs> And now you. none of us have full-time jobs. Woo! Woo! We're all crushing it, and we love you. 30 is Just in time for awesome. the holidays. Okay. Big, big changes for the wine and crime gals. Please buy merch. Please, um, God. I have so much school to pay for, I'm afraid. Oh, God. All right. This podcast is all that I have. And talk space. And talk space. Talk space. Anyway, Kenyon, now that I'm completely unhinged, want to talk about your case? Now that we're all panicked. Um, One of my eyes is literally twitching right now. My dog got up and left the room. I can't. I can't deal with you right now, Mom. I'm done. Okay. Oh, my God. So, Too amazing. My case. I love it. Um, I actually chose a recent case and one out of South Africa. Mm -hmm. Um, And this case has become quite famous over here in the past uh, year or so, year, two Mm -hmm. years, um, because it's fucking atrocious and bonkers and horrible. Oh, Um, God. Can't wait. Yay. Um, Little background, and by little I mean way too much background because I got carried (laughs) away. Um, We're shocked. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty standard for yeah. Kenyon's cases. <laughs> yeah. Moving along. You're welcome. So, oh my um, God. also just want to preface this with, like, I am an American, and I am a resident of South Africa, but I'm not a citizen of South Africa, and mm-hmm. everything that I say that could be construed as critical of South Africa, I fully admit now in this preface, is also a problem in America where I am mm-hmm. from. So racism yeah. that exists in South Africa also exists in the U.S. Okay, mm-hmm. so South Africans, you don't need to angry tweet me. Mm. I get it. <laughs> like my country also has a lot of shit it needs to work on. Okay, mm-hmm. clearly, yeah. Okay, so for those that don't know, uh, apartheid was a system of institutionalized racism and racial segregation, and also oppressive white minority rule. Uh, that lasted from 1948 until 1991, but a lot of the racism and segregation and colonialism pre-existed the 1948 official creation of apartheid as well. So, like, South Africa had had slavery in the past, and then even after slavery was abolished, they the, the history is fairly similar to the history in the U.S., actually, racially. Okay. Okay. Hmm. So it was just strictly prejudice that, like, what was their excuse for this segregation up through the 90s? Well, there was this, it was a legal system called apartheid. And basically the country, uh, it's it's about 92, 90% black and like 8% white. And then like some change of uh, like Asian and... um, including Indian 
or people of like Indian descent or Malay. Um, and then there's a racial category that is the official term in South Africa, which is colored. Oh, Jesus. Um, but it's the official term. It's completely accepted today. It's not considered derogatory, but that's biracial, basically. So any mix um, is, is called colored in South Africa. Yeah. So like a separate economy, separate build it, like separate everything, so, everything was separate. Yeah. So basically a lot of times people compare apartheid to like the pre-civil rights era, like segregation, like supposedly separate but equal policies in the U.S., but actually it was much much more intense than that. It was a little bit more akin to slavery or like the Jim Crow, like post reconstruction era in the States. It was, it was even more intense than just like the civil rights era South. It was more intense than that. Okay. That is fucking crazy. So in addition to bans on so-called mixed marriages and separate and totally unequal school systems, um, and, rigid housing restrictions where like blacks and and coloreds and whoever weren't allowed to own land or property in certain areas and employment discrimination and like totally different salary rates and just any kind of discrimination you can think of that also existed in the US in addition to that under apartheid the country was divided into so-called ethnic homelands and then black South Africans were, like, assigned to these areas based on, like, their ethnic identity. So, like, okay, your... Reservations. Kind <laughs> of, yeah, a little bit. It was kind of like, okay, your Venda, you you belong here. Your mm. Zulu, you belong here. Your mm -hmm. Hosa, you belong there, whatever. Yeah. Um, but once a homeland was recognized uh, by the apartheid government even though this homeland was not actually sovereign it was still like totally beholden to the white minority government mm -hmm. the people living there lost their south african citizenship what the fuck so they were literally second class citizens yeah Jesus um, Christ. People were also forced to use passbooks, which are kind of like internal passports that had like their name, picture, uh, fingerprint, and other information like their employers' names, and employers had to be white. Oh my God. Um, and they had those during world like Nazi Germany, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. The Jews had to have those. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, God. And then uh white employers could also add a note about called a behavioral evaluation oh, of shut that up. person oh, shut on the passbook. No. Yes. That's so and, fucked up. And that's like an official note. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ugh. It's like an official note about your behavior. It's just like one more tool that a white employer could use. Like not only could I fire you and make you destitute, mm -hmm. even beyond these like barely subsistence wages that I pay mm -hmm. you, um, I could totally fuck up your chances of ever getting another job or anywhere ever again, ever again. Cause this is basically, I'm putting a note that I don't, I'm putting a Yelp review mm -hmm. on your passport. My note would be like, 
fixates on morbid things <laughs> and can be kind of a bitch mm-hmm. sometimes yeah. when she's hungry. Yeah. I don't even want to know what my note would be. Amanda's note would be overbearing. Neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> Never shuts overbearing. up. Pretty overbearing. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. So... Uh, people with, quote, improper passbooks with, like, missing or invalid travel permits. So they had to have they had to have travel permits to travel within the country. Wow. Just, like, on another reservation? Basically, yeah, to, like, leave the rural area where they were born and try to go to a city to, like, get a job yeah. or try to go to a suburb and get a job or just go to another province or whatever. They right. had to get a travel permit. Mm-hmm. Um, That's and wild. If, and if they did, and those were hard to get. And if they didn't get, they didn't have one, and they were stopped. Um, they could be arrested. They could be imprisoned. Good whatever. Lord. They could be blackmailed and and forced to pay a bribe that they didn't have money for. Um, and even just being unemployed could be considered an offense or like impropriety for your passbook. So just everyone being, is set up to fail in yeah. in all of these situations. Is really yeah. what. That so, like, being, to. like, between jobs could, yep. like, be seen as illegal. Yep. Or so at least a serious shit. deterrent toward any future employment or, yeah. you know, travel or anything, yeah. really. Yeah. It's so, so fucked it's up. so fucked. Okay. So, I keep thinking, like, the worst, the most fucked up part of, about all of this is that it went up into the 90s. But when you think about it, I mean... Equally as egregious shit is still happening all over the world oh, yeah. still today, and it's just fucked up that this has ever happened in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I can't. I have to step back and stop thinking about like this happened up until you know into my right. Lifetime, it's like no, but, this happened. Period. But this happened. Period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. it's a nightmare. I oh think, my God. but I think it. I mean, because it it lasted so recently and it did happen within our lifetimes, like it it does drive it home a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, there's there's some part of human nature where we can be like, oh, man, well, history. Right. They were uh-huh. fucked up back oh, then. Oh, Hitler. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Trail of Tears, <laughs> though, they were fucked up back then, but but you don't own it. You don't feel as responsible for it. Whereas, like, mm-hmm. things that happened in your own lifetime, you sh- even if you w- didn't live there, you should mm-hmm. feel some sense of responsibility towards it. Mm-hmm. And you're all going to have to explain Donald Trump's election to your children. Yep. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. <sighs> anyway. Um, but her emails is going to be on so many tombstones. Um, you guys. <laughs> including mine. So many epitaphs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So... Apartheid was somewhat slowly dismantled over time, starting in, like, the late 1980s, but it officially ended in 1991. And um, then when Nelson Mandela became South Africa's first black president and the first, like, really democratically elected leader because Mm -hmm. black people weren't allowed to vote before then, so 8% of the population was, quote-unquote, democratically electing white people up until... Eight... Yeah, white people make up. Oh, because that's the white people. Oh my god, of the of the population. (sighs) Okay, I'm just like beyond words. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I know. Yeah, this isn't even a deep dive. This was me trying to get Mm -hmm. as much of like little shit in there as I could. Um, Right. We don't learn enough about apartheid in school. Can I just say? Mm -hmm. Nor do we learn enough about Canada and Mexico and Asia. Right. That's true. 
We pretty much only learn about Europe. Yeah. That's it. Okay. Anyway. Um, so, uh, before Nelson, before 1991, and then before Nelson Mandela became president, the country, like, as apartheid was ending, like, the country was coming close to civil war. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, like, it was pretty close. Like, it, there were, like, some serious clashes. Um, it really almost descended into, like, total chaos and civil war. And a lot of, there was, like, a lot of white flight. A lot of white South Africans fled the country. Um, and then even in, in the struggle for civil rights and the end of apartheid before these years, a lot of uh, activists had already been exiled from the country. So mm. It was it was a crazy time, and then Nelson Mandela gets elected, and he basically has to choose between what's called peace versus justice. Hmm. So, in the case of South Africa, he had to choose between like healing or trying somehow to heal these racial divides mm-hmm. that nearly led to civil war, or instituting some economic justice for black people who had been so violently oppressed for so long. So, like, mm-hmm. taking taking back land, taking back wealth that had been, like, stolen and hoarded mm-hmm. by this 8% of white South Africans. Okay. So, Nelson Mandela chose peace. Um, so, he basically was like, if, if we try to take back the wealth and the land too quickly or too forcefully, it's going to lead to a full-on civil war and violence mm-hmm. and people will die and what we need to do is just try to like slowly heal and like mm-hmm. slowly over time through education like black people will come up and get their share of the wealth and things will be righted over time through education basically mm-hmm. um some sad statistics oh great um, <laughs> what the fuck have we been talking about until this point? I know. I'm almost done. I'm almost done, and then I'm going to get to my case, which is even sadder. Yay. I'm okay. chugging my wine. I'm chugging this wine. I'm just okay. sitting here with my mouth open, just feeling sad. really ashamed to be white. Aren't you guys oh, so excited to come here for my wedding? Okay. Can't wait. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> under apartheid, uh, white private citizens owned approximately 70% of all commercial and agricultural land. Mm-hmm. And then the other 30%, a lot of it was like state owned or whatever. So, only a tiny fraction was owned by private black citizens. Sure. Okay. Wonderful. So, so seventy percent. They own white people own seventy percent of like farmland under apartheid. Today, <sighs> that figure is sixty-seven percent. Mm. Oh, improvement. Yeah, huge. So, what? Eight <laughs> percent yeah. of the population owns sixty-seven percent of the farmland, and then a lot of that other remaining percent is still owned by the state. <sighs> fucking crazy. I don't like the I don't like your case. I know. <laughs> I don't like reality. Mm-mm. Yeah. Um so land reform has been extremely slow, practically non-existent, although it's in the last couple years I found some stats that it was like the pace was starting to really pick up. Um of this redistribution of land or like basically not state run but just like black people that have been able to save money and amass some, some assets choosing to buy land now. 
Um, I mean, if if apartheid only ended in '91, I mean, think of how long it has taken and is still taking African Americans in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to recover to recover from, from hundreds of years of that of bullshit here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like it's not going to happen overnight, and it's no. it's just it's so sad. Okay. Today, the average white South African's annual income is approximately 445,000 rand, which I can't really do the math, but it's like maybe almost 30 grand U.S., I'm guessing. There's a Google uh, app for that. Yeah. (laughs) I just got lazy. It doesn't matter. So 445,000. For the average black South African, it is less than 100,000. So mm-hmm. whites are, earn five times what blacks earn annually. Mm-hmm. Five times. That's fucking nuts. Jesus Christ. Um, um, you were right. 445,000 rand is about 31,000 U.S. dollars. Nailed it. Nailed it. 31,500. Expat, just expat brain math Yeah. for prices. <laughs> yes. Okay. Brain math. Brain math. I like math. that. I math. I math. Sorcery. Today. Uh, bro, do you even math? Sorcery. Brain, brain math. math. <laughs> okay. An estimated 11% of the population, almost entirely made up of blacks, live in uh, informal settlements, which are basically slums or squatter camps. And I mm-hmm. used to work in one. Um, and uh, they are often without proper shelter. They, it's like literal, just like shacks. Mm-hmm. Um, no running water, no nothing. No running water, yeah, no, no heat, no, yeah. No electricity, God. and Ugh. then, you know, very little, if if any, uh, you know, municipal services like policing or mm-hmm. education mm-hmm. or roads or other infrastructure, right? So it's just like, it's literally just shacks on the side of the road. They're squatter yeah. camps. Okay, moving on to my case. So takes place in the city of Middleburg, um, which is about an hour and 45 minutes northeast of Johannesburg, and mm-hmm. it's a predominantly agricultural and semi-industrial area with, like, a power plant and steel mills and farms, basically. Mm-hmm. And I have been through it, and there is not a lot. Yeah. God. Yeah. Okay, so um, Middleburg as a city, has a much higher white population than the national average. So the national average is like 8 to 9% white people, and then Middleburg's population of white people is 48.5%. Yeah. So it's a very white city for South mm-hmm. African standards. Um, and also uh, over 50% of the residents' uh, Afrikaans is their first language. Afrikaans is like the South African language that evolved from Dutch. Okay. And, oh, it sounds so cool. Yeah. I'm jealous that you can just listen to it all the time. <laughs> oh, I've heard Lord. it. It's cool. Yeah. It's I'm biased. Okay, so um <laughs> Jesus. Uh so over 50% of the residents that's Afrikaans is their first language and then the national average it's just 13% is that mm-hmm. first language. So the Afrikaans is like started as like the white person language and then right. it was required in schools. It's actually still required in schools. Um but and there are black people who speak Afrikaans fluently, but it's pretty rare for 
that to be a black person's first language. It's mm-hmm. usually their mm-hmm. second language. Okay. The crime. So, on August 17th, <laughs> 2016, Victor Retabile Malochwa nailed it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Although, um, you could have completely butchered that, and Lucy and I would be like, totally, uh, that's exactly uh-huh. how you pronounce that. Nailed yep. it. Tell, nailed Victor it. Yep. Chumbawamba. <laughs> Chumbawamba. Tub thumping. And I'd be like, yup. Yup. Don't worry. The white people's names are equally brutal to try to pronounce, so. Good. Oh, okay. no. Okay. So, he's a black South African. He's a resident of a squatter camp outside of Middleburg known as the Big House. Hmm. Um, sounds lovely. Sounds safe. Yeah. He's walking down a road uh, next to a mealy field, which is a cornfield. Oh, okay. I was like, mealworms? <laughs> mealy. Yeah. Mealy meal is like cornmeal here, and it's a big uh, staple of the diet. Hmm. Mm. Um, it's kind of good, sounds actually. Delish. It's kind of like grits. Um, and he was attempting I'm to so hitchhike hungry. a ride, which is very common. Don't hitchhike. Mm-hmm. Um or do. I say do. Okay. <laughs> Obviously, the prosecution and the defense disagree about the version of events. So I'm mm-hmm. going to go back and forth and try to piece it together here. Okay. So the prosecution alleges that um, there were these two white farm workers, Willem Oosthuizen. Defoe. <laughs> Willem, <laughs> Willem Oosthuizen Defoe. Yep. And uh, Theo Jackson, one of Michael Jackson's lesser-known children. Brothers, um, yep. Oh, children. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Blanket um, and Theo. <laughs> Blanket Jackson. Uh, we're driving two vehicles, uh, but out kind of looking for trouble together. Okay. Mm. Um, according to the victim, uh, he was walking along, and then suddenly these two white land cruiser uh, backies, which is trucks, Mm-hmm. started following him. And then Kay. the trucks pulled over, and these white farm workers, uh, Oosthuizen and Jackson, uh, jump out and begin violently attacking him without explanation. Mm. Um, oh, damn it. And they're using a type of club, and I'm going to get to the club in just a second. Oh, oh Jesus. no, 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 no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. According to the defense of Shithuizen and... Jack off. Um, mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah. Love these Love names. it. Woo-hoo. Um, nailed it nailed again. Oosthuizen um, was alone when he caught Malochwa, the victim, uh, supposedly stealing copper cables, and mm. that is why he stopped him to interrogate him about trespassing on the farm. No. Nope. To beat him to death. Yeah. Well, so... He says that one that Malochwa was, was on his was on the farm's property and that he was stealing copper cables. Malochwa said that he was walking on a public road and obviously mm-hmm. not stealing copper cables. Okay. Mm-hmm. Minding his own goddamn business. Minding yeah. his own goddamn business. Also, it's important to note that the said copper cables were never recovered as evidence. Of course they weren't, because they didn't so, fucking exist. So right. there's that. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus so they simply so disappeared mm-hmm. from the scene of the crime. That's so weird. Mm-hmm. Probably another black person stole them. Yeah. We can only assume. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. god. Okay. 
So even the defense admitted at trial, however, that Ustuzin physically forced Maloshua into his vehicle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he claims that he called his friend Theo Jackson. So either Theo was already there or he was not there and came over. Okay. Either way, I don't see how it really makes that much of a difference. Right. Because like I don't it doesn't even affect whether or not this attack was premeditated or not, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know why they made such a big deal out of that. But so he called Jackson to quote, come bring the coffin. Ick. What? What the fuck? Yeah. No. They for some reason they had a coffin. Tell me that's a South African word for like ambulance or nope. like chocolate bars. Because <laughs> then if yes, that was the word for ambulance. Kit. I Please would not want to ride in an ambulance ever. Call the coffin. <laughs> She's bleeding out. Call the coffin. Oh my fucking god, that would be so bad. <laughs> No. It's the only thing that would redeem this story. Yeah. Oh, my God. Nope, not a euphemism. Real, literal coffin that they had Bring for the some coffin. reason. Bring This makes... Yep. This makes no sense. Mm-hmm. So, either way, Oosthuizen and Jackson then forced Melochwa uh, to mm-hmm. unload the coffin from the back of the truck. Good God. And then get inside it. Oh, my God. What? Uh, Yep. So they forced the victim. He's still alive. He's still alive. They they beat him and, and then forced him into a coffin. And yeah. then they forced him to unload the coffin because these lazy fat asses couldn't even unload the coffin themselves. They made mm-hmm. the victim unload the coffin. Mm-hmm. And then I... they made him get inside it. Holy shit. At That's terrifying. Point, yeah. Uh, at this point, Maloshua's hands were bound with rope, and Ustuzin and Jackson took turns recording. The horrifying incident on their cell phones. Oh my god! Of course they fucking what? did. Pieces of shit. Pieces. Fucking pieces of, of shit. Shit. Mm-hmm. Idiots. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. I, I, the, I hate, they didn't I get them. life in prison after this. I don't even know why. Of course I they didn't. Know. This is a hate crimes episode. There's yeah. no way. <laughs> so the god short videos, which I've seen pieces of, um, no. show a petrified Malochwa inside the tiny coffin, pleading for his life. Um, no. He's so sweet. He's just a sweet young boy. Um, well, <sighs> Ustuzin and Jackson taunt him in Afrikaans. And at one point, they threatened to pour uh, gasoline over the coffin and set it alight with Molochua inside it. Good Lord. Ick. My Jesus God. Christ. How old is he? Molochua? Molochua? Uh, I don't know. He looks young. Mm-hmm. He looks like in his 20s. Oh. And but then these guys, Ustuzin and Fucknuts, um, <coughs> are in their late twenties and it's like twenty nine and thirty. Mm-hmm. Um, Prime racist years. Mm-hmm. Really good stuff. Ugh. Okay, on the edge of the frame in the video, you can see uh, a modern. I'm gonna butcher this name. I'm so sorry. Knob Carry. Love it. Sounds um, legit. A, na- a knob carry is a... It sounds like a sex toy. It definitely it does. does. Well, it could be used as one, because let me describe it oh, and then no. go look at pictures on oh, the drive. Oh, Jesus Christ, no. A knob carry is a traditional indigenous <laughs> South African weapon. Oh, the irony. Um, and it is a short stick with a knob at the top. Mm-hmm. Pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. 
So, do you guys see the pictures of Sounds the like a dick. Oh, I see it, oh. and it is nasty. Oh. So, do you see the one that's like obviously the most modern? It has like the leather uh, hanging bit, and then it's got it's got like a strap. Yeah, it's got like a carrying strap loop on the top mm-hmm. and then at the bottom the knob is a fucking chunk of metal mm-hmm. yeah so that is the type that they were using they were not using these like traditional indigenous pretty artifacts they were using the really scary one mm-hmm. oh my god so this next one is it's just a stick with a knob of wood on the top mm-hmm. it was it's always been used as a weapon it almost yes. looks like a walking stick like no. an old-timey wizard walking stick I'm pretty sure it's smaller than a walking stick and it it's bigger it than a bread been. box but smaller than a walking stick <laughs> it's <laughs> basically a Billy club yes mm-hmm. it's like a Billy club and I think like the the ancestral king of the Zulus Shaka Zulu, He's often depicted like wielding one, so definitely was used as like a as an indigenous weapon. But now, obviously, it's been adapted as just a sort of fucking club. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it just looks like it could do some serious damage, is what it looks like. You kill a person, yeah, absolutely. I mean, at least I'm assuming that's kind of what happened. Well. How did investigators obtain these videos of the coffin incident, you ask? Mm-hmm. Mm. Because Oosthuizen and Jacknuts, criminal masterminds that they are, <laughs> uploaded the clips to YouTube. No. Yes. Um, I'm sorry. What they the couldn't fuck? get dumber. Uh, yep, as entertainment. God damn it. That's insane. So is is this a reflection on their low, low, low intelligence or more so on South African society, South Africa's society, like tolerance for this kind of shit? There uh, we have ex- if we have witnessed and experienced not us experiencing, but we have witnessed um, kind of mind boggling racism. Mm-hmm. Uh, here. Like you and people, Zach while you've been out yeah, there. Yeah, People say things, and because we're white, well, Zach is mm-hmm. Jewish, but some people don't realize that, and so they just assume that he's white. Is right. that not white? Uh, it's debated. Okay. Um, because yeah, Judaism has definitely been referenced as not just a religion, but also a race. Yeah. Well, and World War II. Mm-hmm. Right. And being victims of hate crimes, whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway. I think he looks Italian. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Where are you from? <laughs> Asked Lucy. Oh, my God. No. You look no. a little brown. Where are you from? <laughs> what are you, Italian? Brown eyes and brown hair. Mm-hmm. And, you're, and you're Minnesotan. So that's Italian. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how you live. <laughs> okay. But the point of my question was, if this were to happen in the U.S. and a couple of white dudes beat up a black guy and posted shit on YouTube, I think that it would be not reported to a certain extent. I was going to say, they like, would probably also get away with no consequences would, and have nobody also, know about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just trying to to to, to feel out. out how different this to- racial tolerance sure. is. There's a racism l- tolerance, I guess I should say. I think um, the the government takes hate crimes seriously here, but 
at the same time, the level of racism um, is, it's just, a, it's just a lot more raw and people feel like they can say these race, this racist shit out loud. Whereas like in America, people use like a little more like coded subtlety, language or <laughs> subtlety or like hipster Casual racism. racism is more of a thing here. Yeah, or like, oh, yeah. it's just a joke. Whereas here, people like full on just like spew racist shit. Like, I'm beating you because you're black. Right. Basically, or just like, uh, just at bars, like, well, I'm not going to get into it because I don't right. have their permission to talk about it. But just some of the experiences of our friends and interracial dating and stuff, the things yeah. that they've had to go through, it's just, it's, it's in your face. It's really mm-hmm. in your face. And our fucking racist 85 year old neighbors say shit to us all the time about black Mm -hmm. people and we're just like oh my god i hate you so much please don't report me for my noise complaints at 4 a.m when i'm recording the podcast yeah Um, yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay i'll tolerate you so you don't call the police but also and you're gonna die soon but otherwise i fucking hate your guts you're just waiting it out you're smoking them out yep Okay. You're writing them a bad note in their passport book. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So it's just crazy. Some of the stuff people will say to you and, and not even like just like I've had a young woman in law school, a white young woman in law school. And I was just like getting a beer, like having a normal night out. And she just started saying crazy racist shit to me. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to agree with her because I'm also white. Mm-hmm. And... It was, uh, it's just crazy. Okay, so anyway. Eventually, the pair of bigots allowed uh, Malochwa to exit the coffin and essentially run for his life. So he did not die. He survived. Okay, good. Um... And then since the story came to light um, and like props to him for reporting it, because Mm -hmm. I feel like that has to take guts, too. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm looking at these photos on the drive. This happened in the middle of the goddamn day. Yeah, I think like afternoon or early evening. I was picturing all this happening at night, you know, when all the bad stuff happens, mm-hmm, according mm-hmm. to my dad, mm-hmm. after 10 p.m. Yeah, always go to bed this before is in 10. The middle- this mm. is literally at like 2 p.m. The mm-hmm. sun is high in the sky. Yeah, this has got to be in the middle of the afternoon, too, because it's August, which is winter here, and the sun sets quite early, so it, it is. Yeah, it's in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. There's pictures of him in the coffin with his hands tied. This is fucking awful. It's so sad. Oh, God. He's so sweet. I know. So. Oh, my God. Since the story came to light, another alleged victim of Ustuzin and Jackson has come forward to say that the pair also uh, assaulted him uh, around the same time. Right. Um, Not using a coffin, but um, just basically picking him up for no reason and tying him up and assault, beating him and kicking him and whatever. And um, then letting him go. Um, And he alleged that the pair also referred to him with a racial epithet and here in South Africa, it's mostly the K word. Um, and I'm not going to say what the K word stands right. for, but you can Google it. And um, it's it's like the N word, basically. Um, and it's actually illegal to use the word in South Africa in most contexts if you're using it as a racial epithet. Like you can write it if it's like 
literature, mm-hmm. basically. But if you're like Mark Twain, yeah. Well, or if you're writing about pre-apartheid South Africa and you're in, mm, in your novel, okay. you're going to use it. You can use it. But if you're calling someone the K-word, that's can, that's illegal. Okay. So it's not. So it's it's a, a literal law, and it's not as debated as the n-word would be in the u.s like oh a black person can call a black person that it means like their friend mm-hmm. and like, no you know it's, a, I, it's I, a, I, no people don't people do not use it uh black people do not use it amongst themselves like the n-word no it's just there, derogatory there was a literal case oh, it was somewhere in the midwest i think it was a high school that actually mandated if you say the N word as if it had an A on the end and not an E R, oh, it's okay it. and it'll go unpunished. No, like the school board made a ruling uh-uh. about that. Nope, nope. No. The all white school board made a ruling oh, about that. Okay, because they're fit to rule on that. That's perfect. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway. So, um, trial goes to, case goes to trial, which is like. Step one, right? I feel like most cases in the U.S. don't even go to trial. Um, mm-hmm. Jackson and Oosthuizen, uh denied that their actions were wrong in any way. Of course. So they admitted that they pushed him in a coffin. They didn't say that they beat him, but there's a club in the fucking video that they took of themselves. Yeah. Um, so it, it was at least intimidation. At the at very the least. least, they tied a man's hands and yeah. forced him into a coffin yeah. under yeah. threat of a weapon. And they said that they denied that those actions were wrong. What's wrong about that? Good God. Um, Are you fucking kidding me? Nope. And uh, they stated that God they, quote, merely wanted to teach him a lesson. Against walking down a public road in the middle of the day. While black, mind yeah. you. Oh, walking while black. There's the crime yeah. in their eyes. Oh, my God, I hate these people. Yeah, yeah. I know, Every, everyone's so, garbage. Oh, God. Tiny sliver of partial justice. Uh, both were convicted on charges of kidnapping and assault with intent to do grievous bodily harm. Um... I don't think they were convicted of attempted murder unless mm. it's the same level of charge as assault with intent to do grievous bodily harm. I'm not sure. Oosthuizen um, was sentenced to 11 years behind bars after, like, time served. Um, and Jackson to 14 years. Mm. And the reason Jackson got a longer sentence was because he destroyed evidence in the case. He burnt the coffin after. Oh, of course. I think after he realized that, like, you know. Oh, fuck, I hate crime. Yeah. Better burn (laughs) the evidence. Oh, oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, God damn it. I hate crime again. If we're looking at the coffin pictures on the drive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you think they made this coffin themselves with the express intent on carrying it around town, using it to intimidate black people? I mean, it does look it's like kind of a crappy-looking coffin. It looks like a it's home padded coffin. on the inside. It's not the most beautifully crafted coffin I've ever seen. It's also really small. It's, it's very tiny. small. 
I would not. I'm fit just in confused it. about the logistics of this coffin situation. Mm-hmm. Not that that's the primary takeaway of this case, but certainly not. I but worth exploring. I would exploring. not be surprised if they made it themselves or purchased it in order to use it for hate criming. Yeah. Well, if he could call his friend and say, "Get the coffin." Yeah. Like that's what the. Intent use of it of this was. coffin is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his friend wasn't like, what do you mean get the coffin? What coffin? He wasn't, you know, or Which he wasn't coffin? like, what do you, why coffin? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, he was just like, got it. I'm on it. The coffin. Yeah. Oh my God. Or it was already in the truck because they were driving around with it looking to do this to someone. Yeah. Do you know, do you have any information about the other people that came forward or the other person that came forward to say that they did this to him too? Like, what the time sequence, like, if it was soon after or before this? I think it was soon before, like, within the, the within a few days of this attack, but they, but he did not report the coffin. Mm-hmm. The coffin so was They were on a hate crime spree. Yeah. Pretty much. Jesus fucking Christ. Um, okay. So, the legal teams of both defendants have indicated that they intend to appeal the court's ruling up to of the course. Supreme Court of Appeals. <clears throat> and uh, there is a short clip uh, of Ustuzin's lawyer, who is a fucking disgusting racist pig. I hate this man. Mm-hmm. I already know which one it is. Yep. yep. With the wonky eyes. He looks kind of like Justice Butterfield a little bit. <laughs> like a no way. First of all, Do Justice Butterfield Justice is a beautiful, Butterfield. sensual woman. <laughs> Second of all, this guy looks like every fucking Weinstein in America. Like he's just he, gross. Yeah, he does he have does. like a Weinstein meets Aura. like uh, Ted Kaczynski yep. thing about him, but fat. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so uh, he claimed to reporters right after the verdicts had been handed down that because his client had already served eight months in jail. Uh, before being granted bail, that that was plenty of time served already. Eight months? Uh-huh. For hate criming and literally practically attempted murder. That, yeah. That, yeah, I mean, it is attempted murder. I think they probably chickened out, and that's the only reason that guy's not dead. Yep. They had a fucking coffin. Yeah, it's they easily disgusting. could have killed him. Yeah. Um, also, oh bail God. was set at 1,000 Rand, which is about three dollars. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. Seven? 70. 70. Oh my God. Which is but a I lot of money. I could not afford a $70 bail right now. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think that there's probably some laws about bail limits which are actually intended to be fair to like lower income people. Sure. I think it's yeah. probably what that's about, but it just felt like an outrage. But not for these fuckers. Yeah. yeah. They owned they own the majority of the country. Mm-hmm. Like Two they white can men. hit up some rich white relatives mm-hmm. and gather seventy dollars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fuck that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. So that's my case, but he did survive and these assholes are in jail as we speak. So good. Good. Stay I, there. Something. Rot there. I hope you're beaten every day. Yeah. I hope you're ready for the rage to continue. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies. Oh, they hate crime and we rage it. Yep. This oh, shit is also fucked up. <clears throat> so my case, you know, focuses more on Toxic masculinity, gay trans panic, general fear of the mm-hmm. unknown, which seem to be the go-to reasons for men to lash out, and this story mm-hmm. is no different. 
totally excusable and justifiable. Yeah, absolutely. Fucking patriarchy. Um, so sorry you were scared. Afraid of me. Of another person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. I also want to mention that the media continues to refer to the victim as he, but testimony from the family considered their child to be gender fluid, and some reports showed a preference for either male or female program pronouns. Programs, sorry. <laughs> um, so I'm going to be using they pronoun- pronouns since, you know, <laughs> this person is not here anymore to give their actual preference, thanks to the assholes I'm about to introduce you to. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. But Buckle up. first, we're going to get to know our victim because this person is amazing and so sweet. Um, this is 16 year old Kadari Johnson of no, Burlington, Iowa. No. Mm-hmm. I figured no. you'd know this case, and I'm sorry. I posted about this in happy hour mm-hmm. when it happened. This is fucking. Ugh. It's the worst. I'm going to cry. It's horrible. Oh my God. Um, Kadari stood out in their little community for a number of reasons. They were black in a mostly white county in a mostly white state. Um, Mm. The family had moved there from the west side of Chicago. Uh, Kadari, though born and raised male, also showed an interest in women's fashion. Duh. Especially their favorite piece, flowing maxi skirts. Mine, too. They're so forgiving. (laughs) Oh. I can't. Love a maxi skirt. I can't rock a a maxi skirt. I wish I could. I've bought a million of them, and I never wear them. I can't pull it off. I just love wearing them because they're so comfortable. (laughs) (laughs) They enjoyed lavish. You can cross your legs at at your desk at work, and no one can see your undies. Or your lack of undies. (laughs) Depending on what you're into. Um... (laughs) Uh, they also enjoyed lavish nail art and intricate hair weaves. Basically, Kadari was a goddamn beautiful queen. Mm-hmm. Um, oh though God. a standout in their small town, Kadari was widely accepted, popular in school, known for their infectious laugh and bright smile. They shared tips about flat irons and false eyelashes with the girls and was, quote, the person who helped you with your problems among the boys. They'd and w- they are a beautiful person, whether you're looking at them as a male or a female. I mean, this is a goddamn attractive This is also person. just a, a sweet kid. Like, yeah. everything I read about this kid is just, like, this person was just a gentle child. Like, sweet, sweet child. Sweet person. Yeah. Um, they'd worked... And they were 16. Yeah, they were actually a oh child. Oh, God. They'd worked part-time at Taco Bell and helped teach children to dance at a community group at the Maple Leaf Center. Um... Quote, he befriended anyone who talked to him and wanted to be his friend because he was that cool a person. This is his friend, Andre Giles, who's 19. Um, Kadari's mother, Miss Johnson, said she viewed her son as gender fluid rather than transgender, as some have described him. She said Kadari preferred the pronoun he, though some of his friends said he sometimes went by she, sometimes wore clothing for men, sometimes for women, but just as gentle, fuck that, clothing shouldn't be gendered, as we know. Um, And he sometimes went by the name... Candice, Candice, I, I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, Khaleesi. Khaleesi, beautiful queen. Khaleesi. Um, <laughs> and his mother said he had dated girls but preferred to date boys. So it came as quite a shock to this little community when Kadari was found dead on March 2nd of last year in a quiet alleyway behind a row of houses. Shot to death, a plastic bag shoved down their throat, another bag covering their head, and their entire body doused in bleach. They were not wearing shoes, oh and their shirt was pushed up, exposing their chest. No. Yeah. Two men were apprehended almost immediately in this case, 23-year-old Jorge Sanders Galvez and his 26-year-old cousin, Jaron Pur- Purim. 
And the two were witnessed near the scene and also in possession of a firearm that turned out to be the murder weapon. Um, forensic examination concluded that Kadari was killed by two bullets that entered their upper chest but was still alive when the plastic bag was, quote, tightly compressed into their mouth. Though the bag was shoved in Kadari's mouth, the official cause of death was not asphyxiation, but rather the gunshots to the chest. And the one bit of solace doctors could provide was that their death came quickly. The bullets made large holes in the aorta and heart, causing upwards of a liter of blood to empty into the chest cavity. So there was probably very little pain or suffering, you know, in in the end for Kadari, which... Is fucked up to think is good, but I'd rather bleed out quickly than choke to death on a plastic bag. So I guess we just have to take whatever small pieces of comfort you can have in the end of this poor kid's, you know, life. Um, And and thinking about the Matthew Shepard case where... It took six days for him to die. After being tied to that fence for like two to three days. Because hadn't Matthew Shepard been tied to that fence for, I I think, like two days before he was found? There was something really fucked up about that Mm -hmm. fence post, and I don't remember the exact details, but yeah, yeah, you're right. Any little bit of solace Mm -hmm. in this horrible, horrifying tragedy of a case, Mm -hmm. I'll take it, but... Um, God damn it. Pro- these and the two motherfuckers who killed this kid uh, are the worst. Um, prosecutors say that Sanders Galvez and his cousin, um, Jaron, had observed Kadari only a few hours earlier in Burlington's Hy-Vee grocery store where they liked to hang out and use the Wi Fi. Oh, you uh, love Hy-Vee, la. Yeah. Hy-Vee is the shit. Yeah, so I love Kadari Hy-Vee. used to chill at Hy-Vee, use the Wi Fi, eat sandwiches. Who yeah. And these two fucking predators saw Kadari and were scoping out. Um, surveillance video from the store showed Kadari dressed that evening in long hair extensions, a pink headband, and leggings looking fucking gorgeous. Just before Kadari Obviously. vanished, when they left the store and stopped at a friend's home to borrow bras from her, um, they mentioned that they were worried about someone following them, and the friend that's what the friend testified in court. So Kadari stopped by a friend's house to borrow some bras, mentioned, like, I think... These fuckers are following me. I don't really know what to do. And was uh, was obviously yeah. visibly nervous about the situation, according to yeah. the friend. And Burlington is a small, smallish town. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know everybody there. You you would be able to tell if somebody were, like, stalking oh, you. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. It's not like a big city where there's just people all around. Right. You know? yeah. If someone is following you, it's, yeah, it's then you're going to notice. Um The case's prosecution, led by U.S. Attorney Christopher Paris, argued that defendant Jorge Sanders Galvez and his cousin, co-defendant Jaron Purim, thought Kadari Johnson, with whom they engaged in a sexual act, was female and turned violent when they discovered that Johnson was biologically male. Wait, did they rape them? There was consensual, I guess what it came out in court. Mm Mm-hmm. There is a consensual act that happened sometime after the bra borrowing. I'm assuming they followed this kid. I think there's. I think I have more about this, but I wrote these notes a week ago, so I'm really sorry. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they started talking. They were flirting. They brought. But if Kadari was already freaked out that these two dudes were following them, like. I, I mean, uh, something. I, I think. Know. I think Kadari was worried that somebody was following them, and then they approached. Kadari, 
Mm-hmm. So, because here's what I have written next. Um, so the state here, quote, the state will offer evidence to show the defendant, Sanders Galvez, saw Kadari leave the high V, flirted with Kadari, believing that Kadari was biological, biologically female, invited Kadari back to 2610 Madison Avenue to have sex with him and his co-defendant, so his cousin, discovered during the sexual act that Kadari was biologically male, became enraged, and then over the next hour suffocated Kadari by stuffing a rag down his throat, and wrapping Over a plastic bag hour. around his head, threw him in the car, drove him to another part of town, dumped him in an alley, and shot him several times until he bled to death. So at some point... So this didn't really end quickly. I mean, I no. Mean, there was a lot leading up to the final Jesus act. Christ. But what it sounds like to me is that after everyone left the high V, they mm-hmm. obviously approached Kadari, and then the rest was history. Mm-hmm. And Kadari's 16, and getting you know, attention sexually from, you know, like, whatever. Yeah, yeah. They preyed on a kid. There's no blame. I'm just trying to piece together. If Kadari was feeling threatened by when they expressed Mm -hmm. this to the the bra borrowee. Mm -hmm. I can see, though, how... things can change. Yeah, Yeah. I think things can change. You know, two guys are following you, and you're 16, and then... You're like, what the fuck's going on? And then they approach you and you're like, oh, you're cute. I don't mind that you're following me and let's talk. And, you know, I'm 16, so I'm not really thinking this through perfectly. Yeah. Um, Um, How many times had we done shit like that when we were 16? Like, we are. I'm shocked that nothing worse happened to us the way that we behaved. Actually, we're 15. Kenyon, goddammit, shut your mouth. Oh, my God, I know. I'm so nice. (laughs) (laughs) As we're being approached on the street in Minneapolis at like 1030 at night. Yeah, oh that person God. just wanted to know if we were, like, jailbait or not. I was yeah. like, we are! Indeed we are! <laughs> here's my here's my home address and social security number. <laughs> anyway. Oh, my God. So My mom's maiden name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, so these two fuckers, they're in their 20s. They're also cousins. They're engaging in sexual activity with a 16-year-old, and this was not the first time that this has happened. And with each other and their cousins, that is incest. Go on. Yep. I mean, but you you do you. you. But incest is a little (laughs) bit of a a little bit of a hard line draw, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. But in a lot of states, cousins are totally on on limits allowed. New Jersey being one of them. I mean, brothers would be worse. Don't or better, depending on your thing. Yep. <laughs> anyway, oh uh, okay. this Lannister conversation is going to end. Um, <laughs> prosecutors requested to enter a sexually explicit video plus photos into evidence with the goal of establishing a motive for the crime and helping jurors understand the co-defend- the co-defendant's sexual proclivities. So these guys, it was pretty common for them to pick up women, bring them back to the apartment that they shared, engage in sexual acts consensual sexual acts with them and videotape it. So they had videos and they had uh, mm-hmm. photos, which, like, whatever. If everybody's agreeing to that, go yeah. get yeah. after it. As long as the women were aware of yeah. this. And, you know, yeah. I'm not I'm not typically the kind of person who's like, yeah, use their sexual history against them. But in this case, it's like a little bit of a timeline of, like, some mild sexual deviance could put some perspective on them picking up a young woman off the side yeah. of the road. If- Bringing if there's her home, a very clear pattern right. of specific behaviors, right? And then especially, use it. especially if this is going to show that there have been other statutory rape situations, because that's what this is. They're in their twenties. This child is sixteen. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, I don't really, again, I don't give a shit what consensual adults do in the bedroom, but there are certain protections that are in place on purpose because, For children. You know, for children. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it says here, um, the U.S. attorney, Chris Paris continued to say in trial, quote, video from defendant Saunders Galvez's phone clearly establishes that defendant Saunders Galvez and Jaron Purim, despite being cousins, were comfortable having sex in front of each other and that they were comfortable engaging in those sexual acts at their apartment at 2610 Madison. So there was a history of them doing this. Okay. Um, obviously, they'd never killed anyone before, but they probably never, quote, accidentally brought home a biological male and fucking lost their shit mm-hmm. before either. Um, I mean, you don't, maybe, I don't know. Who knows? They don't know. Sanders Galvez is currently standing trial for first degree murder. So this is ongoing, but here's what like fucked me up a little bit in this case. The state of Iowa did not deem this a hate crime. Oh, yeah. Iowa authorities what? concluded that the killing did not amount to a hate crime under Iowa's statute, which bars committing crimes against people for reasons that include race, religion, and sexual orientation, but gender identity is not covered by the state statute. Oh, and e- perfect. Yeah. And efforts in 2015. I'm telling you guys. Yeah. If it's not under a federal jurisdiction, there's a, you are very likely not to be covered mm-hmm. by laws like that. And e- That's what was so fucked up when I was reading this research. And I looked up Iowa, mm-hmm. and yeah, it would be very hard to, to uh, you know, try someone and find them guilty as, for a hate crime. Efforts in 2015 well, to add gender this- identity to the statute died in the Republican-held state house. So it like they oh, tried, yeah. oh my God. and it got shot down. Yeah. Um, oh my God. So a our laws are fucked. Yeah. A first degree murder conviction, the local authorities noted, carries a serious penalty, which is life in prison. But even with the state trial underway, federal federal authorities can separately pursue the case as a violation of federal hate crime statutes, which do mm-hmm. cover crimes motivated by gender identity. And it's which, not, literally, and it's, thanks Obama. Yeah. And it's not double Thank you, jeopardy. Obama. No. No, not if it's tried. It's double jeopardy if it's tried two times at state level or two times at federal. Correct. Oh. But it's a separate. It's a separate try. It's a separate mm-hmm. thing. Um, if it's okay. Thing. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm drunk. But this case, <laughs> this makes this case a little bit more confusing in my opinion because U.S. Attorney Christopher Paris, who we've mentioned a few times in the story, was sent to assist in this trial by none other than Jeff Fucking Sessions. Who has declared that the Justice Department no longer considers transgender people to be protected from workplace discrimination and reversed the policy encouraging schools to let transgender students use bathrooms that fit their gender identities. So when the Justice Department involvement in Kadari's case became public, civil rights groups responded with skepticism as they fucking should. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, because fuck that guy yeah. and all this entire administration exactly. setting us back dozens of years i loved this quote from an official with lambda legal which is an organization that advocates on behalf of gay and transgender people um who said it was right that the federal authorities helped seek justice for the killing of Kadari, um who lambda described as quote one of the far too many transgender people and especially transgender people of color targeted in the ongoing lethal epidemic of hate violence but a Lambda official, Sharon McGowan, said Mr. Sessions' actions in so- in the Southeast Iowa case were akin to handing out gasoline and matches and then looking for a pat on the back when the pros- when he prosecutes someone for committing arson. 
Yeah. Also, what that Trump tried right. to do with the military. Yeah. The transgender ban on people serving in the military. Because mm-hmm. the person that got five fucking medical deferments for a made-up ankle pain. Yeah. Is more of a patriot than a transgender person literally serving on the their front country. lines right now. Yeah. That's yeah. been officially killed, right? That's been that's been. Well, the I military the has totally spoken out down, against right? him, saying we're not going to fucking do that. So suck my butt. The Pentagon, basically. I think. Basically, yeah, but the Supreme. Like, no, I think the Pentagon people threatened to to take it to court, and maybe it's being taken to court, and he'll mm-hmm. probably definitely lose in the. Courts, I would assume, mm-hmm. although uh, as commander in chief, he really has a lot of uh, power and leeway to make decisions mm-hmm. like that. But the Pentagon put out a statement that was basically like, uh, nah. we'll look into it, but no. Mm-hmm. But my Viagra, <laughs> <Yeah>. my boner, <laughs> <laughs> my, my boner hurts. <laughs> anyway. <coughs> Regardless of this not being deemed a hate crime in the eyes of Iowa statutes, the jury took a mere 90 minutes of deliberations to come back and find Jorge Sanders Galvez guilty, and he faces a mandatory life sentence without a possibility of parole, thank God. Thank God. Nice. Yep. The trial date, what, about the, what about the cousin? The trial date for his cousin has not yet been set. Whoa. So, interesting. So they yeah, wanted, this to, all, they wanted to think have kinda, the first one play yeah, out. This only happened wanted... last year, and Sanders Galvez is the one who actually killed Kadari. So they've, you know, completed his trial. His inse- his sentencing is brought December 18th of this year, and then I believe they'll begin mm-hmm. um, Jaron's trial. Did the cousins turn on each other? Did they testify each other against each other to try to get a deal or no? I didn't see anything to that fact. And I, I, Iowa does not have the death penalty, correct? I don't know. I, don't think, d- I do. don't think it does, but I, I assume they did not turn on each other or really take any kind of deal. If he's going for life in prison yeah. without any possibility of parole, yeah. Um, it's possible. I mean, the though, cards are pretty stacked against these they're stacked two. Against it's Jorge. pretty apparent what the fuck happened. They're stacked against Jorge pretty heavily, but I could see his cousin who didn't actually pull the trigger having maybe testified. I, and I, again, I don't know. This is wild speculation on my part and I didn't see anything to this effect, but logist, you know, logically, if I were to play it out as the cousin who didn't fire the gun, I would probably be mm-hmm. like, yeah, that motherfucker killed him so that my sentence was less. Yeah, you but know. if the yeah. but if they already secured that first conviction, mm-hmm. they don't need shit from the but other it, cousin. Yeah, no, but, it, but they could possible. do second degree manslaughter or something. And it's also lo- possible you know, that deals were entered for him during the Jorge trial. Right. Yeah. That he accepted, mm-hmm. and now he's awaiting his trial date. But it will be for lesser charges. Like we don't. I don't know. Who I have knows? no clue. Yeah. But Let's hope wildly not. Either way, he's a moron, and he didn't do a deal, and he's also going to be put away for life. That would yeah. be awesome. Either way, these fuckers are off the streets as they fucking should be. And either way, Kadari did not deserve to die, nope. and they were a beautiful, glowing human being. Mm-hmm. And these photos are Just making like me so kind, sad. Vivacious, mm-hmm. loving person. Yep. Just like who the accepted sweetiest. not only themselves, but were like. A made like a shining star in their community. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all of their friends, yeah. everybody who's testified on their part mm-hmm. was just yeah. The, I, I wish that I would have known this person mm-hmm. because they sound absolutely magical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So thanks, fuckers, for... Yeah. <laughs> these these two pieces of shit get to live, even if it's behind bars, and this, like, beautiful angel is now gone yeah. forever at the age of 16 because you got scared yeah. when you saw a penis and didn't just go, Six whoa, fucking teen. I didn't know you need to leave now. Like, that yeah. could have been the end of it. All that could have been the end say, of it. All, yeah, exactly. All you have to say is, like, wow, I did not realize, and have, I have am a nice day. I'm not in. I'm <laughs> withdrawing my consent yep. from this sexual act, and yeah. I will show you, you to the fucking, door. You fucking know these guys were like, "Oh, everyone's gonna think I'm some kind of homo. We need to fucking kill this." Blah, blah. You tricked me. Like, I guarantee yeah. Yeah, you, you tricked me. It was that kind of bullshit because panic. Yeah, oh they freaked god. out and did. Oh my god, the most fucking heinous thing you could possibly do. To this poor kid. I hate all oh of this. Yep. Thanks, right. Alan. Well, I hate Alan. those fuckers. I hate um, them so and fucking I hate much. The entire cabinet, mm-hmm. and I hate Jeff Sessions. Um, but there are lots of people <laughs> that I love. For example, moving on to special thanks this Thank week. Thank God. Oh, for fuck's Thank sake. Thank God. I love both of you. <laughs> oh I yeah, love we, lo- both we love of you too. Love you too. And it's like friends and family and Thanksgiving and da da da. And Special thanks this week to Faith Delgado. You give me faith. Yes. Faith, faith, faith. Okay. Oh, my God. That is my favorite song. Don't butcher it. (laughs) Don't ruin it for me. Amanda Gubo. Oh, you get the wine glass, Gubo. Stephanie French. Gubo, girl. Ooh, Stephanie I'd like French to and Amanda French Gubo. you, Stephanie French. Mm. Yes, um, you're going to wine glass too. Also, shout out to Kirsten Kendall. And Whoop. I'm sorry for initially screwing up your name when mm. I emailed you and Classic. I called you Kristen. I'm Stewart. sorry. And your name is Kirsten Kendall. And I love we you. Done and everybody up. calls me Kendall, even though my name is Kenyon. So it all comes back around. Richard Williams, <laughs> hell yeah. Woo-hoo! $10 a month. Thank you so much. Oh. oh my God, you get the best one. I do. Amanda. Ellen Mellon Price. Yeah. Our love. Mellon. Honorary Ma. This beauty mm-hmm. has a cute little baby. Mm-hmm. And also made a $50 once off donation through our online store. So if you also have a cute little baby and you don't want to mm-hmm. part with a monthly donation, but you'd yep. still like to support the show, head to whineandcrimepodcast.bigcartel.com and you can basically purchase a donation that goes to us and helps Yay. us continue to fund this show. Yay. Ellen, you are a saint. You are. I love you so much. We do. Thank you so much. Love you, you are incredible. Sweet baby. Oh. Sweet baby girl. <laughs> and uh, last but definitely not least, Mike Morford, uh, aka Morph, of mm-hmm. the Criminology Podcast, one of our favorites, mm-hmm. um, wants to shout out his loving wife Rhonda, Aww. whom he says is our biggest fan. Cute, Rhonda. Uh, and we appara- love you. We love you, Rhonda. And apparently, Rhonda has gotten all of her office mates to listen to Wine and Crime too. So, Amazing. shout out to the Gallagher girls. Thank you for being a friend. Traveling down the road and back again. (laughs) Isn't that so cute? (laughs) The The Gallagher Gallagher Girls. I'm picturing like, um, (laughs) I'm picturing like a calendar of like old British ladies. 
Yes. In, <laughs> a la the movie CPL. Calendar Girls. Yes, Calendar Girls. I love that movie so much. I love, I love, I love my Gallagher girls. Oh. <laughs> okay. Oh, sweet Gallagher girls. That's my favorite song. Okay. Don't butcher it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the claws are out. So that means we need to go. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kala Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have wine recommendations or creepy true crime stories to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your podcasts. More importantly, if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It really is the best way to spread the word. We are a totally independent show, so if you'd like to support us and get a shout-out on air, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers! Hi, this is Hannah from the Film Rose Podcast. Hi, I'm Jen. My name's Vanessa. Hi, my name is Stacy, and I listen to Our Americana because it reminds me how important community is. Because it tells the stories of people and places in small-town America that we'd never get to hear about anywhere else. I love hearing about parts of our country that I didn't even know existed. And the reason I listen to Our Americana is for the stories. Stories of average Americans stories that I otherwise may have never heard. I liked hearing about the younger generation moving back home to these small towns or moving out of these big cities because they were so passionate about community. The podcast has definitely inspired me to want to visit America. Despite being such a huge nation, it is clearly the people and communities which give it its heart and soul. Not only is Josh a great narrator, but he's a great listener. He's very good at capturing the essence of people in the essence of a small town. Our Americana changes the way I look at America. It's not just my little town with my little struggles. Josh tells stories I didn't even know I needed to hear and gives small town America a platform to shine. I'm Josh Hallmark, the host of Our Americana. I spent six months living in a van, traveling the country in search of what it means to be American. What I found was community and connectivity. And so I created a podcast to celebrate that. And what better place to start than small town America? Whether it's the West Virginia mining town where a gay club is the center of the community, or a seaside village that was adopted by an orphaned orca, or a Minnesota town that was revitalized by a dog. The heart of these stories is always community coming together in spite of their differences for the greater good. America is so much more than what we see on the news. And Our Americana celebrates that. You can listen to Our Americana on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, and all your other favorite podcatchers.